Hello, and welcome to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. We believe all women lawyers deserve to be wealthy women lawyers. Our mission is to provide thought-provoking, powerful, and practical information to help you in creating your own sustainable, wealth-generating law firm without overwork or overwhelm so you can live your best life. I'm your host, Davina Frederick, and I'm so excited for you to meet our guest today. So let's get started. Attorney Shreya Root-Leg, along with her spouse, Colin, is the founder of Lay Roots and creator of a product called Prep Trust. Lay Roots is a Seattle, Washington-based asset protection and business planning law firm serving national and international clients. Using a combination of trust, business entities, and both on and offshore accounts, they help their clients, other professionals, entrepreneurs, and business owners structure and organize their personal and business assets so they are prepared in the event that they need to defend themselves against loss and minimize that damage. So we're super excited to have Shreya here today on the Wealthy Woman Lawyer podcast. So join me in welcoming her. Hi. So I am, uh, I've got so many questions today and I'm sure our listeners are going to be really excited to listen to this episode because we'd love to know about this combination of trust and business entities and on and offshore accounts and ways that we can protect ourselves. Uh, in our law mm-hmm. firm. So let's start out though with, I'd love to, for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. So if you could just start out telling us about your journey to becoming an attorney and then mm-hmm. to opening your own law firm. Sure. Yeah, that would be great. And, you know, thanks for, for having me. Um, I would say that my journey was a bit meandering, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. And I think it's funny because I um, I know that attorneys are usually categorized as super type A motivated folks. And I'm not saying that I'm not that person. I definitely am, but in many ways. But I also think it took me a while to find my true motivation. And so I tried a lot of things before um, settling into being a business owner and law firm owner. Mm-hmm. Um, I started out as a chemical engineer. I worked at that for two years, decided I did not see that as a path for myself. And I did eventually want to be a business owner and didn't see how I could do that mm-hmm. as a chemical engineer easily because you typically work at plants <laughs> or, right. you know, oil fields as <laughs> A chemical engineer. It's not a do-it-yourself business model. No, not really. You have to have some, you know, pretty big clients and spaces uh, to to do that. And so, yeah. So I went to I went to law school. I'd always loved reading and and writing, and I kind of missed that. And so I went to law school. I graduated at a terrible time for lawyers to graduate. I mean, maybe not as terrible as in the midst of a pandemic. I totally feel for people graduating now, but it was 2010 and a lot of the law firms were kind of going under. And I, you know, moved to Seattle, kind of worked at a few companies, um, a boutique law firm. I worked at Microsoft for a little bit. I was lucky to have the engineering background because I actually worked in the finance department at Microsoft. They were like, well, you know, as an engineer, you know how to use a spreadsheet. So that's great. (laughs) Here, do some finance work. Um, But 
eventually I wanted to get back into the law. And to be perfectly honest, a lot of the firms at that time were looking at newer attorneys and saying, yeah, you can work for us for free or for $10 an hour. And maybe we'll eventually hire you as an attorney or as like a full-time, you know, employee, but maybe we won't. And there's going to be no guarantee about it. And to be perfectly honest, I thought that was BS. I was like, well, I can get my own clients. I can go out on my own. I don't need that. I never worked for free as an engineer and I just had an undergrad degree. And so that was some of the motivation (laughs) to starting my own business and law firm, maybe a bit earlier than I had originally planned, Mm -hmm. but I have not looked back since. Yeah, that that's wonderful. That is wonderful. What when did you start Lay Roots? Was that your first law firm that you start that you started, or did you start and then it evolved into this? Or or tell me about that. Yeah, um, it started out as the law firm of I was Shreya Biswas at that time. So it started out as the law firm of Shreya Biswas, um, but quickly morphed into Lay Roots, which I own with my husband. Um, and so we're both attorneys and the owners of the business. But yeah, it quickly morphed into that as we kind of learned more about being business owners. Mm-hmm. And he also was unhappy in what he was doing. And so we decided to join forces and kind of start this up. But we were actually on like a surfing camping trip and I had been complaining about my job, I think, and my prospects. And we kind of decided to join forces and move forward with it because yeah, it just it was probably not the wisest decision to <laughs> go from having like two, you know, incomes to like, no income and starting a business. We did have some savings, but you know, we don't regret it at all. <laughs> right. I'm eager to know. We'll get, we'll get into a discussion of what it's like to work with your spouse, but before we go there, <laughs> uh, let's talk about the name Lay Roots. Uh, so it's spelled a little bit different than your last name, right? Uh, tell yes. us, tell us what the meaning is behind it. We went to law school in New Orleans and there are these magnificent oak trees everywhere with extensive root systems that can survive hurricanes all over New Mm -hmm. Orleans. And so the name kind of comes from from that, from laying your roots, so laying a solid foundation and making sure you're you're structured properly to withstand any storms that might come your way. Right. So what precipitated this interest in asset protection and business planning. Mm-hmm. I know you have, you guys tell your story on your website, and I'd love it if you could share your story and kind of what, what led you to, led two of you to your interest in this area. Yeah, well, for me specifically, um, I have been a part of a business with my father and he is wonderful. He mm-hmm. is a, you know, technical person and is super smart. Not that diligent about 
paperwork and all the rules. He's just like very focused on whatever his technical problem is. And so he's part of this business and we're concerned about, you know, any liabilities that might crop up there. And also there were some patents with it. And so protecting those patents. And so we started researching options about asset protection. And many of the attorneys that we spoke to who were in that field would say things like, well, come back when you have $30 million and want to spend $50,000 on a trust. And we just didn't want to accept that as the only option. And so we started looking into it on our own. And part of that is probably one of the stories that you saw on our website is that, you know, people said that to us and then we kind of didn't do anything because we didn't have $30 million or didn't want to spend $50,000 on a trust. Um, And then on the law firm side, I was pulled into a lawsuit with a client of mine. I'd been defending a client's um, trademark rights Mm -hmm. and the people on the other side were upset about that and so just kind of named everyone on this lawsuit right so they named my client they named me they just anyone that they could think of was named and it was dismissed uh, before a judge even saw it so even before anything really happened but even to just get to that point between me and my client was about you know sixty thousand dollars in legal fees Mm-hmm. And also extremely stressful. It was, you know, you start thinking, did I do something wrong? And everybody else thinks I did something wrong because I've been named in this lawsuit. Mm-hmm. And what's going to happen? Is it going to affect these businesses that I own? And so that really motiv- motivated us to get more organized. And we figured that other people probably go through the same thing all the time, right? And they don't know who to turn to and they're not prepared for things like this where people just kind of get mad and, you know, file a lawsuit. And even though it may be meritless or it may get dismissed, even up until the point where it gets there, it's just really, it's a really stressful situation and we all work really hard to build up our savings and invest in things and build our businesses. And then to have that at risk just cause a lot of sleepless nights. Yeah. I mean, I think you, I think you bring up something that's really, that does cause a lot of sleepless nights for a lot of business owners. I, I have had a similar experience in that my husband owned a business and we mm-hmm. sold it and my name was on the business but it was you know his thing but you know we, we do a lot together and mm-hmm. my name was on the business so the people as it turned out we didn't do our due diligence to the point where mm-hmm. we didn't realize that one of the partners in the business it was a another married couple had some mental issues and mm-hmm. she they wound up suing us suing my husband and me because I was my name was on it and they started trying to go after my other assets like my law firm mm-hmm. at the time uh, because they were looking yeah. for the deep pockets and they were looking for a way and it was completely 
baseless, we wound up, but we wound up settling just to make them go mm-hmm. away because we knew right. from who we were dealing with that it would be like, it would just be so much easier just to say, here's a little bit of money, go away, <laughs> right? Than it would be to yeah. go through this, you know, the anxiety of a lawsuit and having all of your personal business, your, you know, put out mm-hmm. in a courtroom. So I know what you're talking about firsthand and what that feels like. Yeah. And a lot of people think, oh, that will never happen to me. I will never get sued. Mm-hmm. But like with you, this was a client. This is something that happened with a client, you know, and you got right. roped into it. And there is something that business owners, I think, particularly women law firm owners, don't think of. Right. When they're growing and building their business, they're not thinking they're going to get yeah. sued. They're, you know, because they're performing in an ethical way, as I was performing in an ethical way, as you were performing in an ethical way. And we know that anybody in the United States, anybody can sue anybody for any reason at any time. It doesn't mean they're right. It doesn't mean it they'll prevail. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that somebody files a lawsuit, like you said, can be you know, damaging to your reputation because people think where there's smoke, there's fire. It can, mm-hmm. it, it can take, obviously, it can be costly because you have, now you have to hire another attorney to represent you and you don't know how long it's going to go on. And it's been known to destroy marriages and lives, you know. Um, yeah, definitely. And, yeah. you know, our goal is to give people a little more peace of mind through that process and help them gain some leverage as well, right? So as the person who is potentially named in a lawsuit, you don't have everything on the table, you know, readily available for someone to look up and to make it harder for them to reach some of those assets. And so that's our goal um, in helping our clients is, is to help them create those structures so that they're better protected. Right. And I know exactly what you're talking about because that was the situation with the the wife in the couple mm-hmm. that, you know, filed suit against us. It, it kept getting more bizarre every time they would, they were jumping, <laughs> they weren't leaving everything to their lawyers. They were writing stuff and sending it and it would get more and more bizarre. The more they were Googling and digging and seeing what mm-hmm. was under my name and was under my husband's name and digging into our business. And they were, they would just come back with more work because they were trying to come after everything that they could because yeah. we didn't realize that they were, you know, they had used this, um, our business as reason to come into, come to the country. And oh wow, yeah. Yeah. And so we didn't do our, they were from Australia and we didn't do our, you know, so you know, we just didn't do our due diligence the way we should have, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we can even figure out that somebody has a mental issue before we're involved <laughs> in something with them. But anyway, so talk to me about some of the tools that you guys use. Because I think lawyers sort of, mm-hmm. you know, if you're practicing family law, or you're practicing personal injury, or you're practicing, you know, employment law or whatever, you know your area of practice really well. But I think yeah. asset protection is kind of a, little bit of a murky area for a lot of small business owners, including small law firm owners. Uh, and it's sort of left to the realm of, like you said, these, these big law, law firms and their corporate clients. So we think this only applies to 
billionaires and millionaires. You know, we don't think asset right. protection is something that a small business owner needs to be thinking about. Tell me more about that. Yeah, we think of asset protection as a ladder. And it starts with many times just having, making sure that you have the right insurance. This has nothing to do with what we do, but it's something that we advise people on mm -hmm. is make sure that you have the right insurance, that the right people and entities are named on your insurance. Um, and so it starts with that. And then from there, there's really just some things you can do for proper business planning. Um, I think one of the big mistakes that we see that people make is that they want to diversify their investments. Maybe they buy some investment real estate and they have it in their own name. But in reality, that's a business and it's an operating business. You're collecting rent, you're providing, you know, this housing. And so having people treat their business like a business is oftentimes one of the key things to mm -hmm. start with for people. We see so many professionals, like the majority of our clients are licensed professionals. They're not, you know, the billionaires of the world. They're doctors, they're lawyers. And a lot of times people are just really busy and they, you know, they have their home address listed on their business registration. So anyone can look up uh, where they live and then also possibly look up, you know, the real estate that like what the real estate is worth. Um, and so it's things like making sure you have um, some privacy in your business registrations and also tre um, treating those business entities like business entities um, and you know people are busy and they're doing all sorts of other things maybe you registered your LLC and then you moved because you were renting and you never got the renewal or annual report paperwork and so then you never filed it and then the business gets administratively dissolved or is delinquent so you don't actually have that protective entity that you thought you did that's mm -hmm. a very common thing that we see. Wow. Um, and, or you just didn't get, you know, the right business license or any business license because you didn't realize that the city that you operate in has a business license in addition to the state that you operate in. It can be something as small as that. Um, and that's typically where we start with people. But... Yeah. Then once you start getting a little bit more sophisticated and have those other things in order, uh, we do focus a lot on trusts and setting up asset protection trusts and helping people understand the distinction between an estate planning trust versus an asset protection trust because estate planning trusts, for the most part, the simpler ones that people create, don't provide any asset protection. They are meant to pass on things to the people that you want them to be passed on to um, after you're dead. Whereas an mm -hmm. asset protection trust is specifically created to protect you and your assets from creditors during your own lifetime. So mm -hmm. 
you know, it's a specific kind and um, they can be domestic, they can be offshore, they can be a combination of the two. Um, and so we um, do a lot of trust. Let's talk about the offshore accounts mm -hmm. and also just the whole concept of asset protection because uh, I think there will be, there are probably a lot of people when they hear things like offshore accounts and mm -hmm. asset protection that they think, oh, you know, this is, this sounds shady, right? Yeah. And, and, and this, you know, and if you're rocking along and you've never been sued or you've never had anybody sort of come after you for anything, you may think, you know, I do everything above board. It doesn't matter. I can be, you know, I don't need any of that because I'm doing everything. Mm -hmm. In, a, in an ethical manner and the right way. And so, and people might have that connotation thing, well, if I have an offshore account, is that gonna make me look like I'm doing something that I shouldn't be doing? Do you right. get that yeah. feedback from people? Sure, yes, we, I mean, of course, of course we do. Um, one, I would say as an attorney and as someone who, I guess, is aware of many of the criminal justice issues in <laughs> our country oftentimes. The idea that I don't do anything wrong, I think is you know misplaced a lot of times because mm. I think people can find something that you've done wrong if they look hard enough. And also you can also be doing nothing wrong and still be accused of doing something wrong. There are several problems with that right. kind of line of thought. And I think we've seen that over the years in criminal justice. I think we've seen that in our lives as business owners that, you know, we're all human. You can't do everything right all of the time because you're not necessarily even aware of what all the laws and rules and regulations are. And so if someone puts your life under a microscope, there might be things that you've done wrong. Maybe it's not the thing that you've been accused of. Maybe what you did didn't even cause harm to anyone. But there might be things that right. that you've done wrong. And even if you didn't, even if there's, you know, nothing wrong in what you've done, it doesn't necessarily stop someone from accusing you of doing something mm. that has wronged them. Mm. I mean, it can be even like simple accidents, right? Where someone runs into someone else on a ski slope um, just by accident. And then that person gets injured and they sue everyone because people after the injury weren't as nice to them as they thought they should have been, right? Or as um, concerned about their safety. And so I think there's that piece of it as well is where there can be like simple accidents that blow yeah. up into and for business owners bigger. for business owners mm -hmm. then employees can right. cause these problems for us as well that we you know it may blow up in our face and maybe you have you've hired somebody and there's something either either they've had an accident while mm -hmm. driving to and from to do something in the furtherance of your business or they yeah. may commit some criminal act or mm -hmm. you know any kind of thing like that can cause those sorts of situations. Yeah, exactly. But then, you know, going back to what you were saying about offshore. So 
I guess the entire concept of asset protection is not just, you know, regardless of whether it's domestic or you're taking advantage of something offshore, in many ways, it's a way of using different jurisdictions' laws to your advantage, right? Mm -hmm. And so creating protective layers and entities. When people think about offshore, they often think about like Panama and you know, trying to avoid paying taxes and these huge, you know, billionaires and corporations. There are people that do all of that. Uh, That's not us and that's not the type of planning that we do. And so Mm -hmm. for us, the majority of our clients, they may set up these offshore trusts or for the most part, they're doing an onshore, offshore hybrid trust. Their assets Mm -hmm. never leave the United States. They're not trying to avoid, you know, being taxed. Um, The trusts are tax neutral. And all they're really trying to do is is protect what they've worked really hard to build throughout their life. And the reason that we take advantage of some of these offshore jurisdictions is because many of them have been designed specifically to help Americans protect themselves from lawsuits. And so they have favorable laws that help um, Americans that are different from the U.S. ones. One, they might not have, you know, rest, uh, treaty um, with the U.S. that forces them to honor judgments that mm-hmm. are issued in the U.S. So they, people have to go there to retry. Um, it also, for the most part, though, it really just serves as a barrier for people where if you're being sued and someone sees that you have a trust in the Cook Islands or Nevis, even if partially, they don't want to go through the trouble of figuring it out and arguing about it Mm -hmm. and figuring out the laws of Nevis or the Cook Islands. So instead they're, going to settle for a smaller amount, or they're going to settle for whatever the insurance payout is. Because for many of our clients, they might be sued and someone is um, from like a car accident, simple car accident. Mm -hmm. And whoever is suing them is wanting above and beyond what the insurance company will provide them. And so maybe instead, they see that it's going to take them, you know, they're going to have to spend $2 to get a dollar. And they will instead just settle for what insurance is providing them Mm -hmm. or um, for a smaller settlement amount that might be more reasonable. Right. So it's sending up a a red flag or a message to Mm -hmm. the opposing party and their counsel that this may be... there may be something there, but the effort to get it is going to cost you more than the end result, right. right? Yeah. And then even before that, it's about creating or providing people with more privacy. And so real estate is in the name of the trust or in the name of your business entity instead. And the business entity might be owned you know, by the trust. And so it also makes it harder for people to look up and see, oh, this person owns all these things. Right. Right. And this is, I think it's really uh, a timely topic and something that a lot of 
women business owners that get them thinking about not only their business, but so many as as they're building their wealth are, are doing things like investing in real estate, investing in, you know, Airbnb or vacation rentals by owner or in real estate syndicates or being, you know, flipping houses or landlord tenant, you know, situate whatever, right? Do making real estate investments in all kinds of different ways. And they may not be thinking about how to, the best way to protect those real estate investments. But this is something that right. would really be something they need to be looking into and thinking about. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, it takes a long time to build up equity in, in homes and real estate. And I think for a lot of people suffering some sort of a loss in that equity would be, you know, pretty devastating. Um, mm -hmm. So even if doing some sort of asset protection planning isn't necessarily right for you, I feel like it's important to at least be educated about it and about the pros yeah. and cons. Because as business owners, I think we're all used to there's going to be some amount of risk in building a business, any business. Yeah. Right. And so, but I think it's important to know what risks you're taking as opposed to blindly going forward and, and not fully understanding what might be at stake. Right. And it would be a shame to spend all those years, you know, studying and learning all about how to invest in real estate and going to all the conferences yeah. and doing this in addition to, you know, your law firm and growing your successful law firm. And then have it all, you know, to be jeopardized by something, you know, that you yeah. didn't couldn't anticipate, right? You guys are based in Seattle, Washington. Are you are you only licensed in Seattle, or how does that how does that work? You're, you're able to help national and international clients. How, how are you able to do that? Sure. Um, so we are licensed and registered in Washington State, mm -hmm. but we're able to help people nationally because of the offshore aspect of it because we're dealing with you know international laws and jurisdictions we are able to you know provide those asset protection trusts and because you know many of these trusts regardless of whether they're domestic or offshore in between are playing a jurisdiction game um that's mm -hmm. how we're able to provide that nationally. Um, mm -hmm. We do often pair with and work with local counsel. Um, mm -hmm. So we work with a lot of other attorneys actually. So business attorneys or estate planning attorneys who have clients who are interested in doing some sort of asset protection. And so the you know estate planning attorney or business attorney will do all of the things that are specific to that state. Um, and we will simply work with them to provide just the, uh, you know, asset protection trust on top of the other entity structuring or transferring or state right. planning that's that's being done. So, yeah, we work with also a lot of other attorneys around the U.S. to just provide this one more, I guess, focused niche piece. <laughs> right, right. So if there are other attorneys listening to this podcast who are who work with entrepreneurs and professionals and they 
you know, but this isn't their area of specialty. They're not, this isn't their wheelhouse. They, they definitely want to write down your information and <laughs> keep it handy. Um, <laughs> so what year did you say that you guys created uh, Lay Roots? Um, it was about eight years ago. So 2013, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so you have been in business for a while. It's the two of you. Do you have employees working for you? Have you built a team during this time or is it kind of the, the two of you? I love all the surfing videos and everything. You guys are like, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm so, I'm so jelly. I'm ready to go, go out there and go surfing. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have not built a team, so it's just the two of us. I mean, we do have, um, the vendors like a outsource receptionist and other help. Um, like we haven't, you know, bookkeeping, accounting, that sort of a thing. Um, but, but it's really just the two of us are, we have hired, you know, help in the past, but we've really been focused for the last two years, actually, that instead of growing our team before we do that, we really, like using technology um, mm -hmm. in the back on the back end so that we can you know focus on kind of our clients and our marketing efforts have a more personal touch and so we've invested quite a bit in building out like some help technologically I guess right like so mm -hmm. um, having templates and online scheduling and um, email like automated emails that remind people of things that they're supposed to do and things like that. Right. And you've even productized one of your services, which is something you call prep trust, which is a registered uh, yeah. trademark prep trust. Tell us a little bit about mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So that's the hybrid onshore offshore trust that mm -hmm. I had kind of mentioned before. Um, it's our version of it. And, you know, some of the, benefits for people are that one they don't have to actually move any assets offshore they don't have to hire um, an offshore trustee full-time to manage their asset which can be a big added cost and also a little bit daunting for for people who haven't done this type of planning before it's tax neutral so it doesn't change people's taxes um, but it provides offshore protection um, for people. It's really meant for people who have not yet been sued or like are not currently being sued, right? So they're doing some proactive planning. Uh, it becomes a lot harder once someone is named in a lawsuit. Right, right, right. <laughs> not impossible yeah. to do planning, but it does, it just limits their options. <laughs> yeah, so somebody's already, somebody's already filed a suit, you're, you know, and you're moving mm -hmm. things around and that gets, you know, right. It, it looks trouble. a little, yeah. it looks Fishy. a little questionable. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, so, you know, I'm assuming then that's for, for you guys during this pandemic, that really hasn't changed much <laughs> because the two of you are already living together, working together. And, uh, mm -hmm. how has that been? How, what is it like working with your spouse like that? Yeah, you know, I I would say that um, it's not for everyone, but it works for us. We have found it useful 
to have our own domains within the business that we mm. focus on and the other person doesn't tries not to interfere with, right? It doesn't always work that way. I re really enjoy it because we have this shared experience and we're building this life together um, in every way. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that it's really cool. It's a really cool thing to have. If it works for you, then it can bring you, you know, closer, I think, in many ways, because you can, you have one, um, you have a spouse who understands what it's like to be building a business and kind of the unique stresses and joys even that come with the, with that. And mm -hmm. You also are working together to build a certain lifestyle. I mean, there's a lot of, I guess, media, and this is kind of an aside, but around build the biggest business that you can and, you know, go national and hire, you know, all these employees and some employees is, is great, but I think along our business building journey, we realized that we kind of enjoy just having a lifestyle business. Like we want right. to be able to live a life that we enjoy and take time for family and friends and hobbies. And it's okay if we don't have a 50 person law firm that is churning out however much per, you know, billable hours per year. And I mean, we don't, really even do any billable hours. We do mostly all of our work on a flat rate and subscription basis, but, mm. you know, just in theory, <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. the idea um, of what kind of the ideal law firm business looks like, we kind of realized along this journey that that's not necessarily what we want. We want, a, right. is, we want to work with clients that we enjoy and, and like working with and we want to live a life that we can enjoy now instead of waiting for some far off, you know, retirement date to travel or do things with. And being able to do that together and both have that flexibility, I think, is also an added benefit of, of working with your spouse. I mean, not that it's always like rosy, right? Like sometimes we um, disagree on things, on the direction the law firm is going in, or, you know, you look over someone's shoulder and you're like, oh, really? We're watching YouTube videos? Is that what's happening <laughs> right now? <laughs> right, right. But, um, but, you know, it's also, it keeps things interesting and, and fun as, as well, I think, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> to have some I, friction. I, I, too, I, too, am... Uh my husband and I both are entrepreneurs and we work together and we live together and we're in a pandemic together. It's a whole lot of togetherness yeah. right now, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but you know, it is, it's a, it's a shared passion and a shared interest. And uh, you know, we understand what the other, when you talk shop, the other, the other person understands and knows what it is you're talking about and really gets it, you know? So I get what I get what you're saying with that. It is not for everyone, but if you find somebody that you sort of click with in that way, it can be a really enriching experience in your life. I really appreciate you being here today and sharing with us about this important topic because I do think that a lot of us, as we're building wealth, 
we may not be focusing as much as we need to on building those protections around it as, as we're doing it. And so I think you really shed some great light on that for us. So tell us how we can find out more about Lay Roots and how we can connect with you guys if we want to reach mm -hmm. out and do that. Sure. Um, so we have a YouTube channel where we make videos about asset protection mostly. And so you can probably Google YouTube Lay Roots um, mm -hmm. and it will come up. As far as reaching out to us, uh, I'm on Twitter. I know a lot of like the there's like a big law Twitter, you know, community. So feel free to follow me on Twitter. I'm at lay your roots or, you know, go to our website. There's a contact us form and, and whatnot. You're always welcome to use that as well, I suppose. But yeah, um, I'm always open to talking with other attorneys and, and meeting people, other business owners. And so if people want to connect with me on on Twitter or Lawyer Human is our Instagram handle. So you can connect with us there as well. But yeah, we're on, we're great. basically, we're on the socials. <laughs> great, great, great. And we'll be sharing those. Uh, we'll get those links from you and we'll share them in the show notes as well. So people can just go down there and click. So uh, Shreya, I so appreciate you being here today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. I have as well. And I'm so glad to be a part of this. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Wealthy Woman Lawyer podcast. If you have, we invite you to leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform. The more five-star reviews we have, the more women law firm owners will be able to positively impact. Your thoughts and opinions are so important to us. If you are a woman law firm owner who wants to scale your law firm to a million dollars or more in gross annual revenue and do it in a way that's sustainable and feels good to you, then we invite you to join us in the Wealthy Woman Lawyer League. The League is a community of highly intelligent, goal-oriented, and driven women law firm owners who are excited to support one another on their journeys to becoming wealthy women lawyers. We'll be sharing so much in the League in the coming year, including the exclusive million-dollar law firm framework that until now, I've only shared with my private one-to-one -one clients. For more information and to join us, Go now to www.wealthywomanlawyer.com slash lead. That's www.wealthywomanlawyer.com slash lead. Lead is spelled L-E-A-G-U-E. We look forward to seeing you soon in the league.